A lot of you are familiar with the DNA Project and have been rocking with us for a while, but some of you aren't. A lot of you are faithful listeners of the podcast, but aren't familiar with some of the other work that we do. So I just want to take a quick moment to explain to you a little bit more of what we do. So you're getting married, or you have a friend, a cousin, a sister, somebody you know is getting married. Okay. You've booked your venue, caterers, photographer, all that good stuff. When it comes to live music, most people have no idea where to look. We have you covered. Picture this. During the ceremony, while guests are being seated, or while the bride's walking down the aisle. During the cocktail hour, while guests are just mingling and having a good time. Don't forget about dinner music. That's very important to set the mood while guests eat. And we definitely can't forget the party. Let's get the party started right now with The DNA Project. www.thednaproject.ca for more information. To me, having a backup plan would be um, losing sight of my vision. Yes, yes, y'all. Energy. <laughs> yeah. Right Welcome to another episode of the DNA Airwaves. I am your humble, gracious, all the good stuff host, Doriki Palmer. I'm here with my partner in crime, Anthony Lewis. How you doing today, boss? All the bad stuff, Lewis. Doing, I'm doing good, man. Thank you. <laughs> It's a nice, hey, nice day outside. We got a great beautiful guest. Day. I'm uh, very interested and anxious to to uh, put on the hot seat, actually. So this will be fun. A lot of put stuff on the good. hot seat. Don't make him nervous already. <laughs> off for it. Uh, oh, if you don't know who we're talking about, we're talking about our friend and musician Carson Freeman. How you doing today, sir? Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Looking it's a pleasure, forward. man. It's a yeah, pleasure. Of course, yeah, yeah. So I was, I actually came up with a show title. This morning while I was just doing my thing, it just hit me. So I do have a little bit of an introduction. So um, follow me here. So the show title that I came up with was Everyday Musician. And the reason I thought about this is because you've been on, you're like a touring musician. You're endorsed by some pretty um, great companies. Um, You've been on stage with some heavy hitter musicians and artists overall. So you've pretty much done it all. But also you do a lot of playing locally, which is kind of like your everyday, I don't want to say hustle, but your everyday career is local playing. So putting those things together, I was kind of thinking that is like the picture that I have when I think of an everyday musician. There's a lot more to it that we'll get into during this this chat, but I just kind of wanted to start off with that. Um, And I guess while we're on that, you told me a story while we were in Halifax, again, being everyday musicians, we were on the road traveling, having some fun. And that was kind of the story about how you got into music. So could you share that with us, with our, with our friends and listeners and fans to start off? <laughs> Only okay, fans, well, no fans. You see yeah, I... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. My musical journey is, is um, you know, I've, it's, it's really funny because I've been kind of thinking a lot about, like, where we came from musically. And mm-hmm. where I came yep. from musically and how it all began. But um, Halifax was a really important place for me because I remember um, it was kind of where my faith and my music came together. And huh. I was playing a lot in the church and I was like a good Christian boy. <laughs> I remember I'd, I prayed a lot and I had uh, what we'd call back then like a devotion where I'd take time. Right. to pray about things and read my Bible and try to make sense of it and apply it like the, this ancient scripture to my, my daily living. Fair. And um, I would say that back then I just had so much faith that I believed that I could do stuff musically. And I kind of seen hmm. that came, come into fruition when I was in Halifax. Okay. And, right. um, you know, um, a lot of friends would call that, well, that's a coincidence because that is what a coincidence is. <laughs> but the, the way I took it was, you know, actually – my hard work mixed with my faith came together. So here's what happened. Um, that year, um, our band was playing well, and we'd go to the, the national competition, which was called Music Fest Canada. Right. That year, it was in Halifax, and there's about 7,000 students had gone there that year. And they were bringing back something called the All-Star Band that year, where they would pick students from some of the better players from the 7,000 in attendance, and they'd put together a jazz big band. Cool. And it was being conducted by um, a Grammy-winning trumpet player named Randy Brecker, who is the older cool. brother of my my saxophone idol Michael Brecker. Wow! So I said, That's "I'm cool. I'm getting and I'm playing in that all-star band." Yeah. 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 Oh God, please let me get this. It's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. so awesome just to meet him and play music. And um, I was sure in my mind that I was going to get into that band. 
And then my music teacher came and talked to me. He says, Carson, I got some, some disappointing news. He goes, you're actually not eligible for that band because you have to be in your graduating year of high school. I was in grade 11, and back then you could graduate in grade 12 or 13 at the time because I'm a dinosaur. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, long story short, I went to Music Fest. I played really well. I thought, like, I yeah. played it, I gave my heart into it, and I got so chosen nice. to play in the All-Star Band. Even though I wasn't eligible, I got mm. to play with my hero, Randy Brecker. Nice. And That's amazing. I got, I remember I got a jacket that said Yamaha, because, um, <laughs> you know, if you look at the Yamaha logo, it's two tuning forks, because Yamaha yeah. is an instrument uh, manufacturer, but it's right. now it manufactures so many things. That's true. So yeah. I walk around Northern Ontario with my Yamaha coat, and people would go... <laughs> Hey, what type of snow machine do you drive? <laughs> what type of motor dirt bike? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What type of chainsaw do you got, bro? Um, but I remember staring out the bus window going on the way back to my small town of Espanola, north of Sudbury. I'm like, Shut I'm going to be Espanola. a professional saxophone player. I'm wow. Gonna, that was the moment. Do. Wow. There's no doubt. Like, no doubt. And that was, was the actual moment. moment you realized. That's amazing. Yeah, there was actually no absolutely no doubt now if, if i knew that you know if i knew then what i know now right yeah, I'd yeah, be yeah. probably uh, um it would have rocked my faith a little bit but i remember mm. the guidance counselors mm. did a great job trying to convince me otherwise and that's um, amazing um they were doing a good job doing that but i just had tunnel vision i always say that i should have raised the bar higher because i did actually kind of hit those goals. <laughs> that is right. funny. this is the second time wow. recently that we've heard someone mention that a guidance counselor tried to steer them away from what they believed in their heart the other one had yeah. nothing yeah. to do with music in that case but still guidance counselors i don't know what we gotta if you're listening step, step up game your up. game please yeah. Pay attention, pay attention. We're in a different time now. But maybe their agenda is to create, I mean, we could get into a conspiracy, but True. public schools we are, but we can. <laughs> are, aren't there to foster entrepreneurs and creative mm. minds. They're there to create corporate workers, right? So I think that to an part of the problem is time. that yeah, they don't. They don't see music or the arts as something to pursue. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, or maybe they're just. They also put glass ceilings souls. on people too, based on whatever sure. experience they have too. So, uh, it's not really a dig on guidance counselors. We still love you, but <laughs> it is but do better. Some, if they kind of fostered my my idea and said, "Okay, Carson, what are you going to need to get into music? You know what what scholarships could you apply to, and what are some of the." Hmm. the what are some of the ways that we could access that and, and who are the people we could talk to, you know? Yeah. That would have helped. Um, Cause sure. once the kids made up their mind and I mean, my sister, I have a twin brother who went into music. He was not, I don't think he was as driven as I was. Um, like I shouldn't say that. Like he, he definitely wanted to go into music and he loved, he was just as passionate about music as I was, but I don't know. Right. If he just, was like that's exactly what I'm doing, you know. Right. Okay. Um, and then my my sister, she she was, um, she did so well in all the subjects. She had no clue what she wanted to go into. You know what I mean? Interesting. Yeah. And yeah. even the path she took led into a different direction than right. initial. But I was pretty tunnel vision. And I mean, guidance counselors. It's like if, if you went up and said, "What are you going to do for a living?" Well, I'm going to play the saxophone. Like, what's your right. plan? Right. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> Clarinet. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's right. So, man, I have a couple questions. Uh, just on, I guess, on the back of what you just said, if that's okay, D. Um, yeah, first of all, did you have a plan B at that time? To me. Um, Having a backup plan would be um, losing sight of my vision. Oh, man. That's, that's, right. I'm that so makes happy sense. you said that. Did actually. you ever think that's, that you had to veer off of that great. plan, though? Like, were you ever worried at one point in time that you might need to start strongly considering a plan B at any point? I'm not just like um, early on. Well, this is interesting because I've been talking about this It's very recently. So. Okay. I had um, I had a residency in Toronto playing at a great uh, club called uh, Myth, and yep. it burnt down. And there, my nice. my work literally went up in flames. Oh. Um, then <laughs> one of the agents I was working for has put most it's of their funny. efforts into uh, yeah. Airbnb, and they're not booking music. 
Mm. And I've lost a stream of work from that. And um, the school that I'm teaching at is thinking of not renewing that contract next year. Mm. I've heard this through the grapevine. And still, I'm thinking of new avenues and new ways. And I'm strangely hopeful of of the new musical things that will come my way or that I'll pursue. I love that. So, you know, I find like these times for um, musicians or any artist or any, any profession, we can get desperate. Right. And yeah, we really have to be level headed because then you go, okay, I'm going to start, um, uh, I can turn my car into an Uber. I'm going to start doing uh, mm. deliveries and, and stripping, have, whatever it takes. Stripping, you know, I, I can't even strip furniture. <laughs> I shook like, my head. Didn't uh, even realize that's what you said. No other, yeah. other way. No, no, no. We don't. Well, I mean, and, <laughs> and the thing is sometimes you have to do those out of necessity, right? There's right. nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah, yeah. You've got to put yeah. bread on the table and uh, we've all, we've all done that. But right now right. I'm in a position where I could got to think clearly of what makes sense. And kind of find the blessings in it. For example, if I lose mm. my teaching job next fall, mm-hmm. yeah. it's it's April. I got a lot of time to look for something to replace that. That's right. right. But when I'm thinking that, it's yep. been so ingrained in me that um, I've learned that if I pursue a goal musically and I can achieve it, mm-hmm. then why would I stop doing that? Right. Good point. Really so great point. point. Yeah. Getting back to your plan B, I still don't have a plan B. Good, and, I, good. and I joke to people, I say, my plan B is music. Right. But you are yes. doing music, right? So if I'm not yeah. uh, performing, I'm composing. If I'm not composing, exactly. I'm teaching. If I'm yeah. not teaching, right. I'm doing music. Um, that's great. And that's one and, of the things was, that I found too. Sorry to cut you off there. Yeah, no, no. Um, um, I did a clinic at Metalworks Institute right before COVID. And I talked okay, to right. students and I said, it's so important to be diversified. So I that's said, it. I don't just yep. play tenor saxophone, which is my favorite. I play the other saxophones as well. And I play uh, clarinet and flute. Right. I'm open-minded and I play electronic um, uh, wind synthesizer and I play around with that. And I said, I don't just play, um, I play very little jazz music, which I was trained in, but I play all styles yeah, and I play true. traditional music from uh, different cultures. And right. I said, I don't just work with, um, I work with a broad spectrum of musicians, all yeah. walks of life, all styles, yeah. uh, guys and girls, whatever. Yep. And yeah. then COVID hit and I found myself unemployed. Mm. <laughs> so I, I realized, listen, well, actually, yep. I am well diversified in performance and the performing mm. side right. of music. I wasn't yeah. doing yeah. any teaching. I wasn't mm. doing any recording or composing. I wasn't a music mm. merchant. Like uh, the like the, the music stores stayed open during COVID yeah. because people yeah. needed those resources so they could still be teaching online and that. True. Yeah. And, true. Uh, it was interesting how I I wasn't very well diversified in music. I was just I was diversified within that section. Right. So that's where I say a plan B could be another sector of that. Right. Yeah. A one yeah, A, yeah. one A, yeah, yeah. A one, A two. Exactly. I get it. That's All beautiful. Still within the, uh, the realms of an everyday musician. And that's one of the things that I found as well is just taking that, like you have your performance experience, you have your, well, just experience overall. There's so many transferable skills within the space that come into play as you've kind of pointed out. I'm so glad that you said that. Um, you kept your focus, you kept going in the same direction, but just veering off like different branches, I guess, of the same tree. So you're still building on the foundation that you set earlier on. Um, so that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, really glad you said it that way. I wanted to ask you just jumping back just a little bit, um, in the early days, and I'm hoping that this will help somebody who maybe be kind of at the earlier stage of their development, um, you had thrown out there that your guidance counselor could have been influential in pointing out some certain scholarships and things that would have been helpful to your growth in your career um, at the beginning. What were some of the challenges that you had to overcome since you were sort of imagining a world of your own, just trying to figure some of that stuff out without that guidance? What were some of the challenges that you faced? I found a lot of the musicians, the kind of the older guard, the one or two generations ahead of me, Mm-hmm. that I looked up to and was inspired by, they would be more like, uh, there's another musician, you know, there's not mm, enough work yeah. for us. And then there's another guy showing up and Interesting. this guy's <laughs> picking my brain, you know? Yeah. Um, and a lot of them were kind of jaded by the whole thing. Um, Fair, yeah. I remember uh, one of the most poignant experiences I had was when I graduated um, college, I went to Humber College. And I went to the Montreal Jazz Festival 
to see my hero Michael Brecker play. Nice. And I actually yeah. got to meet him a few times. But nice. I was I I didn't drink. Um, I didn't have much money at all. But I was in a um, a bar in Montreal, and it really is. I I haven't been to Montreal, but they say Montreal is the best jazz festival in the world, and hmm. everybody was there. Yeah. And I met a hero that played uh, the baritone saxophone. And out of respect, I won't mention their name. And I couldn't believe I, I, I got to shake his hand. And I offered to buy yeah. him a drink. drink wow. And he said, sure. So I bought him a beer. And I went back to my friends. And shortly after, he approached me again. And, and my friends were like, hey, uh, your friend's over there. And yeah. he came up to me. And he goes, hey, man. He goes, uh, do you... Uh, do you think you can buy me a meal? Whoa, wow. And reality check. What? I yeah. couldn't believe what he was asking me or why yeah. he asked me. Mm, and right, yeah. I very quickly that summer realized how difficult the life of wow. a jazz musician living in New York City. And, yeah. Wow. You know, you might get on the front of the jazz magazines, you might be on albums by the biggest jazz labels and on the radio and in the polls and everything, but there's, it wasn't very lucrative, you know. You're still asking yeah. students; they can buy you a meal. That's, now, yeah. wow, well, yeah. I'm not ignorant to think that that's every musician's situation. Of course, not. right. It just took wow. one person's situation to make me realize that I didn't want to pigeon myself as the New York jazz saxophonist. Okay, yeah, yeah. right. That's um, right. And it, it, it was kind of. I found that I was able to take some negative experiences with people that were generations above me or even like five years older and yeah. kind of turn it. So, okay, how can I take a positive spin on this? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. How can I make sure that when I'm performing, mm-hmm. I'm, I can kind of hopefully provide for myself a little bit better, uh, yeah. food on the table. And, and yep. I always pushed aside that notion of the starving artist. You know, I thought we should be like, Starving to achieve more, not starving literally, and and kind yeah. of redeem that title because yeah, you know, mm-hmm. the amount of work that that goes into artists. Like, I can go off on a tangent, but I really do think that feel free. Um, many musicians are the most educated people in the world, and yep. <laughs> the reason being, if someone goes into study engineering, which is a profession that's that we kind of applaud and we if if one of my three kids went into engineering school a lot of people go well that's amazing right right which it is which it it is is. but we didn't take the engineering classes from kindergarten up to grade 12 okay right we didn't practice engineering necessarily what we do as musicians though we from a young age we're singing and playing um, Mm -hmm. in kindergarten and we take private lessons practicing all the time and if you become a yeah. musician that really enjoys what they're doing, you're just you're playing and practicing nonstop. Then when you apply to the universities and colleges, you're doing auditions and working on those pieces. You're working as right. an ensemble, and you're, you've been growing and learning that way. And we just play for mm-hmm. fun throughout college and after. You'll see the professors the are still yeah. practicing and rehearsing, and yeah. so they, they keep constantly educating themselves and learning and and this gaining this wealth of knowledge. And yeah. you don't see many professions doing that, educating themselves that much. Yeah. Right? So a musician, like a, a great classical musician, is is extremely well-versed in the techniques of their instrument and all sorts of styles of music. That's but we true. don't look at that as a profession where people are have this wealth of knowledge and learning. Yeah, that's a great point. That is, yeah. And I think that a lot of the times, like, yeah, the average public, the average person doesn't realize what it actually takes to get to a level that you guys have been able to achieve as just like a quote unquote gigging musician. Yeah. And the knowledge that it takes to actually be able to hold your own in those situations. So and then people it's, go, oh, uh, you're, you're talented. You're like, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah that's a good point, too. Yeah. Uh, you know what's interesting? I was I I didn't realize because you had brought it up earlier the Yamaha symbol and the tuning forks. Mm. I didn't realize that for like I think it was like four years ago. I I discovered it. So Mind I thought it was a, yeah. <laughs> but another thing I didn't realize was that saxophones weren't always brass. That that's why they're in the woodwind section because they were actually made of wood in their early inception. I didn't know that, and I thought it was fascinating. 
when I realized that, like literally a month ago, that saxophones, the first saxophone was actually made of wood. Is is that true, or did I just read an internet fake story? Um, <laughs> Which would be funny, too. I yeah, have seen a wooden saxophone, but it was more of a modern one. I would mm-hmm. say that it's more, the, the saxophone was supposed to be an improvement on a clarinet. Oh. And, um, okay. yeah, so it's more referred to a woodwind just because of the reed. And, right. That's um, what I feel. Kind of coming from, and coming from that, the lineage of the clarinet made of wood. Mm, gotcha. But, okay. Uh, yeah. It's a little bit of history pretty, for you. It's, it's still a, a very, a young instrument in the grand scheme of things. Huh. Well, it's climbing its way to the top. When was the first saxophone invented? Oh, don't quote me on this. So saxophone was invented right before the 19th century, I believe. Really? Um, and by a guy named Adolf Sax. And, nice. um, Adolf Sax. So what's interesting with the clarinet, <laughs> if, yeah, he was a good Adolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad and it was before, yeah, before his, the name got ruined. Yeah, it wasn't until right. the 1940s it got ruined. You know you're a dick when you they discontinue a name, right? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. My God, that's so uh, <laughs> if you're playing the clarinet, there's a key on the back. So the clarinet is actually, it's an improvement on an instrument called the shallowbow. So the low tones mm. in the clarinet uh, sound beautiful, but it was an instrument that wasn't very useful called the shallowbow. And when the, okay. the register key was put on the back, now it could play... A huge range of notes, and right. it's such a huge change to that instrument that they had to rename wow. it. So it's the clar- clarinet. So that, but what happens is you learn your fingerings on it. You add the register key, and now those fingerings all different notes. The idea with the saxophone is the key would create an octave. So right. now okay. all the notes have the same same fingering and same name. They're just one octave higher. Uh, so imagine the, the pattern That's on cool. a piano. Yeah. Once you get to the twelfth note, now they're all different notes, and it would be like so confusing, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. Kind of yeah. To repeat. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm just rethinking my title here. I'm like, I might have to. <laughs> I might have to debunk what I have said here. So, just to add some clarity, because I know it was kind of, I was trying to, it was a little bit of a play on words, and yep. um, I called you an everyday musician, but obviously there's a lot more to you than that. Um, it goes a lot deeper than playing music or just a talent, as you've already pointed out to some people. Because I know we've all heard it, it's like you're talented, but they don't acknowledge or even understand the level of or the amount of or time yeah. that goes into it, and respect the fact that you got to you have to be focused for a long time. Like most mm. of you're talking about from childhood right on up, it's not something that you stumble into for the most part and you know pick it up in three years or whatever it is. Um, there's a, there are a couple other things. I know you mentioned some of the avenues that you've sort of transitioned to under the umbrella of music, but there's a couple other uh, areas that I know you for, and I sometimes wonder why you made the choice not to go into one of these two categories that still fall under the, the creative arts. What's the one you know? Are you Stand up just, comedy. That's one, yeah. So comedy and culinary are the two areas I believe with oh, all my yeah, heart culinary. that you could have and do that. shine, but probably could have sean great sean sean greatly (laughs) (laughs) sean on brother sean on (laughs) i i had an appointment yesterday and the guy said can you come around tennis and i said sean connery's favorite sport wow (laughs) tennis tennis opened up up a door i can't close folks (laughs) okay so the um uh, I'm a, I have a twin brother. We're extroverts from a small town, get a lot of yep. attention, and uh, we're jokers. Like a lot of people in our family are jokers. And okay. I, have, I, I remember funny scenarios. And I'm, I, I just with my bro- twin, twin and I, we'd always try to be witty and have a silly pun. They used to call the jokes like uh, uh, clean jokes, lame jokes. Now they're just called dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I, yeah. I had dad jokes before I had children. Like I, I literally uh. grew into my humor. Right, <laughs> right, right. And um, the culinary thing, I just kind of stumbled on it because my thing was I always wanted to kind of cook and play around in the kitchen. And my mom was always like, "I'll do that. You'll get burned or get cut." Okay. <laughs> right, right. And I remember some of the gigs when I first started getting um, some work in the city. I'd, I'd work at some higher end restaurants. Um, yeah. 
as a musician. And I remember once I got a free meal, which probably would have cost me more than they were paying me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was just kind of like, what? Like I was just blown away. Like everything – I knew everything on the plate, but I'm like, how, how – why is this so much better, you know? Mm, and I used yeah. to love watching the Food Network and I would just experiment with instead of making stuff by reading the ingredients on the, the preparation modes on the box. Right, I yeah. started kind of buying my own produce and playing around with it. And I did learn a lot actually from cookbooks and watching tutorials. As a podcaster, you know that great content is only half the battle. The other half is finding the right hosting platform to reach your audience. That's where Captivate comes in. With unlimited podcasts, advanced analytics, and personalized support, Captivate has everything you need to grow your audience and monetize your show. Join the thousands of successful podcasters just like us who trust Captivate for their hosting needs. Visit dnaairwaves.com slash Captivate today to start your free trial. On Food Network and then yeah. YouTube. And I became – I had my own little um, – um, kind of my go-to meals that I could make and my, my recipes that I kind of perfected. And we'd have yep. like dinner parties at the house and stuff like that. So there's a TV show nice. called Come Dine With Me that was just hilarious, a British TV show. And then yep. one day I'm watching it and they said, Come Dine With Me is coming to Canada to apply. Yeah. Uh, and I, I filled out that application. And I said to, I said to my, my wife at the time, I'm like, should I should I go on this show or not? And she goes, well, yeah. just apply and see what happens. I said, yeah. if I push send, I'm going to be on that show. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> just because when I answered the questions, I knew they are going to at least interview me. And yeah, like, yeah. Right, right. I applied and two weeks later, I'm being filmed <laughs> for wow, this show. Wow, that's amazing. So it was a reality TV show with home cooks. Yeah. yeah. And um, I won that show. It was like five hey. contestants. Okay. And, uh, but once again, I'm not up against professionals, and a lot of times right. they're choosing they're choosing contestants because they're not good cooks, and it's going to make for good mm, TV. Right? Okay, so got you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> After that experience, I got asked to do live cooking demonstration with um, a chef Pretty named cool. Jonathan Collins. He was Stephen Harper's Prime Minister Stephen Harper's chef. Pretty um, cool. And we were hmm. doing these demonstrations uh, with a food truck, and then from there. Uh, he got hired to be on the, C I think it was CTV, the Stephen and Chris show. And okay. he was a yeah, chef yeah. on there. It was like a daytime TV show. Yeah, okay, yeah, cool. yeah. And then I got asked to do some demos by myself. And I was like, oh, I can't do that by myself. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But I did, uh, I did go to culinary school in the evenings just because I loved cooking. And Amazing. I quickly learned that, um, like, I would like to uh, teach people how to cook, like very like basic meals and, and fun mm. things and ways to kind of spice up what you're doing, um, yeah, yeah, literally yeah. and also like metaphorically, make yeah, it look a little cool. fancier with the plating. <laughs> Always but a <laughs> there's a huge difference between um, between what I do and what a chef does. Like I would never right. call myself a chef. I don't mm. throw that term around. And it's neat because, like, the culinary arts are the mm. only art form that involves all five senses. You know, you can see mm, the bread yeah. rising in the oven. You yeah. could, you could, you could hear it when you crunch into something. You can yeah. smell it. You can taste it. You, you know, all those senses Texture, are, yeah. are fully engaged. So it's never thought of that. A lot of people don't consider that as artful as um, music, right? But I, I would say yeah. pro probably more so. There's I definitely tend, a, a, agree. a huge art to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I had a, I had a daughter and I started my first kid and I started getting really busy and I didn't really have time for cooking. Mm, and, yeah. um, but during COVID, uh, some musician friends and I, we started a, a TV show in Port Credit. It was a Facebook show and we had like, oh, we could, we'd have thousands of viewers and just people wondering what was happening with the local musicians. And we had it all socially distanced and we got, um, very cool. Yeah, we'd have guest artists playing on the patio outside, and yeah. and it was it worked really well. And I was doing a cooking segment on that, so I, we did yeah, cooking well. with Carson. I was showing people how to cook. <laughs> Love it. And it's funny though that that wouldn't work now because not a, it worked when everyone was home. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 But yeah, we uh, it was yeah. a lot of fun, and and I was fun. It was fun to pull that that card out, um, and the comedy thing. Um, <laughs> I actually did. Uh, an event with the comedian Sinbad. 
I was playing oh, with... Oh, um, Lostin Legend. Yeah. Yeah, so I played with some an artist that was on the name Robert Tardick, and he was on the Canadian... Um, he was on the Smooth Jazz radio station. So we went down and I played with him in LA and I played with some other musicians and met them. Nice. And yeah. through those connections, when Sinbad came from LA to Toronto, he said, hey, is there any musicians I'm looking And so I got uh, called up and nice. man, that was one of the greatest experiences. Just, we hung out all day and he toured with another comedian that opened up his show. Yeah. And we, that sounds fun. the three of us were just hanging out and just busting a gut all day, yeah. laughing about everything. And oh, um, I said a few things just as an aside, and, and those guys would be cracking up too. And it was, it was funny, like huh. hanging out with this com- comedic legend. Yeah. So at the, we were expecting our second kid, and we went out to Yuck Yucks after. I said, oh, I don't know if I, can, I shouldn't be out. He says, hey, look, I have a driver. We'll, we'll drive you home if you need to, right? Nice. Yeah. And uh, we get into... <clears throat> We get into Yuck Yucks and there's a comedian up there bombing and people are making fun of him. And this guy's oh, trying to sing a song about his dead hamster, right? Oh, boy. So uh, anyways. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then Sinbad is there. He's talking. He goes, uh, hey, I'm, I'm touring with my, my, my buddy here. And he goes, but Carson's with me and he's even funnier than him. Eh? And he, he got me up to do stand-up. Whoa. Pressure. Yeah, pressure, so, pressure. Jeez. and I said, oh, oh this is going to go great. And, and no matter what I said, people would be roaring, laughing. So I had the best audience. They're already primed. Right, and, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then Sinbad yells and he goes, have you ever been to, to Shanghai? And um, I had been, uh, he, he had, we were talking about this earlier. And uh, he said, well, how, how do you like Shanghai? And I said, oh, it's great. I said, you should have seen their Chinatown. It was huge. <laughs> and he liked that right so he yeah, and yeah people are laughing and while they're laughing i said hey why don't we try that dead hamster song again now that everyone's oh, going to drink and then wow. i got a laugh uh, from that guy's right. <laughs> so oh, that's it was like such a great experience and, and it was like i'm not saying that i was a funny stand-up comic but i got the opportunity to do that it like with the perfect audience and it was yeah, just, yeah like uh and that's cool, bringing man. it back to music like it's funny that my the career path i've been on i've played mm-hmm. with like eight grammy winners i've played for yeah. celebrities i've also played for ribbon cuttings for daycare centers opening it's not like right. always yeah. glamorous <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. fulfilling <laughs> lifestyle yes. i wouldn't have met you two without music so like a guy's counselor squashing yeah. that like yeah 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 <laughs> boy this, <laughs> let's call this uh, we're gonna put guidance counselor in the title uh, yeah we're gonna have to, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to. Circling back. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who counsels the guidance counselor yeah. oh. <laughs> we do starting today listen up you know what's funny, Carson? I before I met you, because I'm me and Dariki and I are both like cooking show nerds too. If that's yeah, even yeah. a thing, it is a thing yeah. to nerd out on now. Um, so I saw you on that show and didn't even realize until years after I had met you one day. I can't remember how it clicked. You must have said something, and I thought back to like, and I was like, yeah, I remember that. So I watched that. I watched that episode. It was a cool show too, by the way. Yeah. Um, but Damn. yeah, everything you're saying, man, like. It's all music, but it all, it's so much more than that. Like, yeah. I mean, you're a performer, you're a sax player. I don't know if this ties in because sax players can or cannot be it, but often are front stage. I don't know. Maybe talk to us about how your, um, I don't know, playing sax, being front of stage transfers to, does it transfer to other areas of your life? Like, is there a comfort? Because, I don't yeah. know a lot of people who could take the pressure of being thrown into a stand-up comedy sketch by Sinbad, one of the greats, and not bomb. Because was that your oh, first man. time? It doesn't even matter. Just the fact that you did it is incredible to me. Yeah, I think it was set up where no one expected anything. He said, right. I got a musician touring with me, and he's going to be funnier than this guy. Okay. But it was kind of like it was all <laughs> almost in jest, and I felt like if if I bombed, I could stand behind. Well, what do you expect? I play the saxophone. Fair. Exactly. Okay. So you yeah. took the pressure but off yourself. I've had no problem performing in front of people. I kind of look at it as, you know, people that live busy lives. Mm-hmm. People work hard for their money, and when they True. go out, like I have this where I want to give 
100%. I want to give them everything, but not yep. show off. Right? Um, so it's for the perspective of giving back. And it sounds very like, oh, oh what a great guy. But it's the only way it works. <laughs> I have a yeah. service to give. And here's another thing. Right. I want to hear people clapping. I want to see people giving us tips. Why? Because you know you've connected with them. Yeah, it's not about, right I don't time. need a pat on the back. I've heard musicians say oh, it's a thankless job. <laughs> You're on a stage. People are <laughs> clapping. You're allowed to True. drink on the job. It's not exactly. a thankless job. <laughs> right? right. But yeah. um, you do want to get uh, properly compensated. You want to hear the people's yep. reaction because you want to know that you've connected and you've actually delivered your job. That's true. Validation for sure. Yeah, yeah so really I, true. I'm not nervous. I've. It's just part of my upbringing. Uh, Toronto changed me uh, it for for good. You know, I I did grow up in a uh, hmm. uh, conservative Christian home. You know, something I think was, uh, you know, I, I got really good firm roots there, but I didn't really realize till later. Yeah, like, and my parents didn't. Hmm. They weren't super strict. Like, um, you know, the Bible says this, and we don't do. But they said they knew. Like, hey, we don't we don't necessarily have it all together, but we're following this method that we think works and it worked for our parents and it worked for their yeah, parents. Like foundational truths. It didn't all work for me when I moved to Toronto and I had to see mm. like, okay, you know, it, there's um, like, I was always, I always love different cultures, meeting people and like, yeah. there's getting back to like food and music. What other better ways mm. to understand and, and respect other cultures, right? Absolutely. That's a great point. Yep. So, that's and huge. I'm not saying that my hmm. like, but but growing up in a small town, everyone looked like me. <laughs> I, have, I have a twin <laughs> brother, right. even you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And the uh, the uh, only ethnic restaurant we had uh, fried chicken from Kentucky, but uh, <laughs> wow. even the even the Chinese restaurant had hamburgers because not everybody was into that, right? Right, so, right. Yeah. Okay. No joke. Like you'd you'd have that. So. Yep. Yep. It was. What made you choose Toronto? Just out of curiosity. Well, we would go hmm. on um, those band trips, and I got to see the country. But okay. um, I got to see the country. But Toronto was a big deal for me because um, although it was six hours away, and I lived in the same province, there was just like a vibe away. here. Yep. Um, yeah. It had so much, and I, I grew up in rural northern Ontario where people go, oh, my God, it's so beautiful. You can see the mountains and the northern lights, and you can go, yeah. put a fish, you can a fishing great. line and through the ice, and, you know. Oh, but man. that wasn't for me. I loved the urban, the, you know. I'd yeah, read yeah. Uh, reading Miles Davis' autobiography, and and I loved it. And, and him talk about New York City, and I, I just thought, well, this is Canada's New York City, right? Yeah, and, yeah fair and, enough. And yeah. I just thought, I said uh, – that's New York, and this is York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is North York. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but um, and once again, I had good experiences here, and a lot of the, the the better musicians were living in in Toronto. So that's where I wanted to be. Did yeah. you and your brother decide that around the same time, or just great minds think alike, and well, we just both ended up here? Curtis and I both applied for scholarships, and I. He, so he got scholarships to uh, – he even got a scholarship to Berkeley College, but he wow, went to nice. Humber College. Hmm. And I got a scholarship to U of T, but I actually didn't have enough credits uh, to go because uh -huh. I needed my OICs. So I oh, stayed okay. behind a year. And um, I actually did six years of high school, which is crazy. But oh, my last year was just – getting that extra credit. And then I decided yeah. not to go to U of T either. And that was an amazing <laughs> year for me because my brother was going to Humber. And although we played a lot of music, we didn't study a lot of the theory in that. So he was kind of showing me what he was learning in college. And when That's I came cool, in, right. I was really well prepared. That's great. That's amazing. So, and you would have had that extra year of like networking and meeting people yeah. before. You came into the big city. So that's cool. And I guess just on that, there's another area that most people probably don't have to consider just as far as staying connected and having, you know, your name or your talent or your whatever it is out there, your availability. These are all not words that I was trying to get at. But <laughs> just as far as networking and staying relevant, can you talk to us about that? Because that's not something that's important in every line of work, but it really is for musicians. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think 
uh, I had an incident last week, two weeks ago, where okay. I had a gig on Wednesday. Okay, I had a gig Wednesday yep. morning, and mm-hmm. uh, I got I, I I charged my microphone, my wireless microphone. I got all my equipment ready by the door because I wasn't going to need it till Wednesday morning. That was my my first gig that week. Yeah, and gotcha. uh, I was actually I, I was at the gym and I checked my messages and it said, where are you? The event started 20 minutes ago. It was on a Tuesday. Ooh, uh, oh, and, uh, and I've always pro- been not oh, prop, but I've always like said, Hey, I don't miss gigs. I'm crazy. professional. I'm always on time. Yeah. And my first right. reaction was, what am I going to What, what excuse do I have? What can That's I tell them? And the only huh. re- thing is like, yeah, tell them the truth. You made a mistake. You hmm. screwed up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. even the like your integrity is everything. And I found Absolutely. by doing that the ladies like I wasn't giving any excuses except for the fact that I messed up. And yeah. cuz hmm. your reputation's everything. And wholeheartedly yeah. agree. Yep. So people hire you for a ser- service and sometimes yep. some gigs that I get asked to do, I know they're like they're a grind. Mm. They're far away. There's a lot of work. There's not a lot of money. Right. And mm-hmm. sometimes I say no, not because it's below me, because nothing's below me. I'll just say yes or no. But sometimes I know that I'm in a space where I'm going to be complaining a lot. <laughs> and Fair. I don't want to yeah. be that guy. You know, so yeah, you know right. yourself and right. you know what you're yeah. bringing to the table. Yeah. So uh, keeping yourself relevant is just when you are hired, you deliver. And you got to realize that that gig was, um, was a privilege to be able to play for. Mm-hmm. They yeah. don't um, – someone could call me and uh, – 10 times in a row. And if they call someone different at the 11th time, not to take mm-hmm. it personally, you know what I mean? It's yeah. not necessarily that I screwed up, but there is other Sox players and maybe they just want to meet, play with this guy or maybe they owe him a favor because he's given them some work and sure. just right. show up. And number one, I, I get a lot of work because of my personality. People like me. Um, sure. like, like, uh, sure. People like working with me. But if I can't play the saxophone also, mm-hmm. then I'm kind of irrelevant. And then there's some gigs where <laughs> Like one is almost superfluous, <laughs> so mm, I just show yeah. up and and have a good time and just contribute to the to it. Um, I remember when my brother he worked on cruise ships for a bit, and Royal Caribbean had this philosophy that was just like own the situation, so no matter what happens. So I try yeah, to do that okay. too. Like if I'm hired to play the sax and someone's looking for the washroom, I go, it's just over here. You know, that's an easy example. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it makes sense. But, yeah. <laughs> We've all been there as musicians. Like I'm just going to wear all black and then you look exactly like the wait staff and people are asking <laughs> yeah. me for a fork. I'm like, yeah, I'll get you a fork. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I'll catch you a fork. Stay humble, folks. Stay yeah, humble. No that's oh, too man. funny. I love that. New episode title. It's not below me. It's just baloney. You guys like it? Yeah. Uh, it might grow on you. We'll, we'll I think we should call it Give That Man a Fork. <laughs> <laughs> the fork in the road. Yeah. Yeah. Or it has the, the culinary tie into it, the mm. Yamaha tie, the tuning fork. I think you found over. it. I think oh. you found it. Or we could go wow, the guidance counselor's way, or we can go our way. There's a lot of forks in these roads yeah. here. Um, well, man, you have something, Dariki? I know we're running short on time. And- I mean, he had brought up he had brought up um, the guidance counselor, and it just reminded me because we talked to so many musicians and mm-hmm. two people that can either make or not two but two groups that tend to really move a musician in the right or wrong direction are guides counselors and parents and uh, i wonder how supportive um were your parents in your pursuit of the saxophone or just playing music as a like your pursuit of following music as a career yeah okay so I talk too much, but I'll I'll try to keep it brief. No, you haven't. No, we're good. First of all, well, I can just go on on topics because these these excite me. Um, yeah. hey, I was good. in I was in the public school when the high school band came and played at Christmas time, and a nervous sixteen year old student stood up and played the saxophone, and I heard that instrument. I'm like, oh my god, I want to play this. This sounds beautiful. So it's, yeah, it's yeah. interesting <laughs> where your inspiration comes from. You know what I mean? True. That's it's not true. necessarily the heroes. If I heard it now, I'd, I'd hear the immaturity in his playing. But at the time, mm-hmm. I heard a saxophone, and I love that instrument. Hmm. Um, yeah. And he became my teacher, and we're, he's still a mentor, even though he's not playing now. You know what I mean? Wow. 
And that yep. was uh, his guidance was through lending me different recordings at the time. And this is before Spotify and Apple Music and YouTube. Yeah. You know, YouTube, you listen yeah. to those recordings, and I and that was a huge help for me. And he always encouraged me, and 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 um, a lot of people from my hometown and my church. And then my parents. It was this is really mm-hmm. interesting. I think a huge part of my success was my parents didn't know anything about music. They didn't. They, right. There's. Hmm. There's no one in our family that was a musician. Yeah, um, interesting. So when my brother and I were playing, my parents weren't involved. They supported it. They'd be like, you know, the boys like playing and it's keeping them out of trouble. And, you know, yeah. they, they help us buy, buy our instruments. But they weren't going, hey, you should be practicing scales and you shouldn't be doing mm. that. Or why are you listening to that music? Or why are you doing this? Yeah. So, but the yeah. proper support, the only support we needed was financial and creating this space where we could learn, right? Yeah, and uh, I remember I had tears in my eyes when I told my parents that I'm going into music because I was nervous about what they were going to mm-hmm. say. Because well, yeah, there wasn't a plan B. And my dad said to me, he goes, listen, if that's what you want to do, and you have a clear direction. And every door open, you know. I've gotten yeah, into trouble doing other things. But uh, music's always been, it's always served me well. And I hate to Good. say this because I seems... had to work like anybody else did, but it, I've always found it easy where other things didn't mm. come easy. So I, th- okay. right. I think true. it was a clear path for me. Okay. And mm. a lot of people, they struggle, but it's not necessarily the right decision. That's a good mm. point. That's a, That's great, a great point. Actually. Amazing point. Um, so I guess maybe if you could leave us with this, I hope it's not too broad, but we've just kind of, we've got, we started kind of at the beginning, we came forward and kind of gone backwards to sort of your beginning. There's going to be a lot of people listening. I say a lot and it's whatever, take it as it was, but there's going to be somebody at least listening who is, uh, <laughs> your mom is a little older than what I'm getting at here, but no offense, cutie, you're a young woman still. Um, <laughs> can you give some advice to, I don't know, Say to your younger self, just keeping in mind that there is someone who's maybe going through an, an early um, stage decision or trying to figure out his music for me, that kind of thing. What advice would you give to yourself um, in hopes of helping somebody else that's in a similar position now? Um, yeah, I would just say we pursue things because we like it and we enjoy it. Yep. Okay. And remember that music's always entertaining. It's always um, there's always art in it, and sometimes it's sometimes it's hard work, but it's always True, yeah. worth always worth the effort. Like I say, everyone has to climb the ladder. Some people climb big scaffolding. Some have a step stool, but we all have to climb the ladder. But each yeah. Yeah. each part yeah. of that journey should be should be enjoyable. You know, yeah, it's kind of like um, you know if you go to the gym and you're seeing results, uh, like musically, like it just it just sends these rush of endorphins when you're working on something that's really hard and, and you figure it out and, and you get to that next level and yeah, you, know, yeah. you get to bring it to the stage and play with other people and what you're working on doesn't work but then the fifth time it does start to come together it's rewarding and, yep you know it's always rewarding and you're you're giving back it, it absolutely um, the process is enjoyable and you don't have to become a professional you know like, yeah that's true. like i meant we mentioned like i, I have no problem performing and getting in front of a, I could get in front of a million people and not break a sweat. But I had a friend with great opportunities who packed it up and moved back home because his straight stage fright was crippling for that. You know, it doesn't mean that he's not um, a great musician in his own right, but his, his, his role was not going to be in front of a large crowd. Wow. Yeah. So we, it's a broad industry and we can all bring something to the table, but to enjoy the process. And that of course is in anything you do. True. You know? But yep. especially when you're Absolutely. doing something that's supposed to bring joy and happiness or, or, okay, let's say you're doing something that's supposed to create a mood in people's lives, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You've got to put focus and energy into that and enjoy the process. Wholeheartedly yeah, agree. That's powerful. And don't get like too that. far ahead of the process. Just enjoy where no. you're at. And the reason don't I laugh worry about, about what I'm you a don't joke. have. Yeah, the reason I'm a joker is because I can always laugh at myself. I don't take myself too seriously. I that's do take criticism. Too. And I took, I, I'd say, uh, I remember I started playing in grade nine and I literally played. I just had fun with it. I didn't really learn much. And in, <laughs> we got, we were like a, in grade nine, I was in a junior jazz combo. And those combos didn't really start till later in high school and 
musicians were developed or they were so mm-hmm. like structured but we played loosely and had a lot of fun and yeah. they threw every single award at my combo and right. my my wow. band's combo and it was 100% to encourage us hey you guys are doing great keep that up mm, yeah, and yeah. I quickly took it as we're awesome and in <laughs> yeah. grade 10 we're the best <laughs> yeah. what are you guys doing <laughs> I got hammered so bad at an early oh, age. Right. Like, what are you doing? Mm. You're playing these notes don't work. And this guy like was harsh. Wow. He shouldn't have been talking with the kids. But it was amazing that that happened at an early age, and it really got me. Yeah. Okay, I got to take huh. this a little more seriously if I'm going to do it. But I see this happening. So ever since That's then, I, I didn't take myself too seriously, or ever think that I was, you know, the, you know. The, the shit. Yeah. Hopefully my mom's For not lack of it. No. <laughs> But sometimes there's, there's not better descriptors. And I, you know, at the end of the day, I can make a mistake in public and laugh about it in front of a lot of people. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's uh that's special. Really important and skill to have. I do believe that you are at least amongst the cream of the crop, but I do believe you are the cream of the crop. So, um, glad to have you, man. You shared a lot of insight we actually wanted to do this a long time ago, and I'm glad that we waited till today. Somehow it just feels like everything kind of just lined up. You said a lot of things that I needed to hear, and I'm sure a lot of others did too. So keep being Absolutely. you, keep cooking, keep making people laugh, keep making... Are you frozen? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Like I was like, either he's super but, still, <laughs> but super keep doing intense. what you do, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, appreciate no you, brother. We Thanks appreciate so much. and love you, man. It's... Uh... I had the privilege of getting to do a couple shows with you as well. And you're the same guy off camera that you are on camera. So just honestly, never change. Keep being you. And I wish you nothing but super success in the future. I mean, you're already successful. So you continue really to keep yeah. doing you, bro. And uh, before we let you go, can you just maybe share your socials with everybody so yes. they can follow along on your, uh, on your journey? Okay. You can find me on Facebook under Carson Freeman. Um, my Instagram is uh, at Carson Sachs Player, and I also have boom. a website which is CarsonFreeman.com. Boom, boom, boom! Amazing. I want you back because I I am curious to hear a little bit more about the composing side of, you know, your work and uh, a little bit of that. So if you have time in the summer again, and you have an hour to kill, uh, don't forget us. Okay, <laughs> anytime, guys. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for. I Thank know, you. It's just easy talking with friends, and, and I'm, I'm glad Absolutely. music has introduced us. That's true, man. I, I can't say, yeah, well. I, I echo that sentiment for sure. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Till next time, everybody. Stay blessed. And I don't have anything else. That's it. <laughs> Later, guys. As a podcaster, you know that great content is only half the battle. The other half is finding the right hosting platform to reach your audience. That's where Captivate comes in. With unlimited podcasts, advanced analytics, and personalized support, Captivate has everything you need to grow your audience and monetize your show. Join the thousands of successful podcasters just like us who trust Captivate for their hosting needs. Visit dnaairwaves.com Captivate today to start your free trial.